Welcome to In Layman's Terms, a podcast that tells the story about the body of Christ. I'm your host, Todd Seifert. Once a month, I share a story about people at work for the kingdom of God. Other weeks, I share a brief reflection from the Bible. My day job is working in communications ministry for the United Methodist Church in what is known as the Great Plains Conference, meaning the approximately 1,000 churches in our denomination from Kansas and Nebraska. In the local church, I've taught Sunday school for more than 20 years for people ranging in age from 12 to more than 90. This is one of our story episodes. Today, I invite you to travel back in time with me to the late 1950s. Sunday morning means the entire family gets up and goes to church. The pastor or trustee or someone else with authority makes sure the doors are unlocked early, if those doors had to be locked at all, to ensure people who arrive early can find their preferred seat. A pastor preaches, a choir sings, people repent and give their lives to Christ. The house is full, because where else would a person be on a Sunday morning? Unfortunately, those days are long since over. Now Sundays are for club sports and sleeping in, and people don't just show up to church. Instead, people use technology, their computers, their tablets, or their phones, to research a church first. And they have to be convinced by what they see or hear to even consider walking through those doors. In this episode, we're going to see what three congregations, one in Omaha, one in Lincoln, and one that spans the Kansas-Missouri state line, do with technology to reach out to their own congregations and to people who are not yet part of their congregations. We'll explore, as one of our sources shares, how we can move beyond Sunday and reach into their Mondays. Toward the end of each segment, we share some tips for the techniques we talked about with these folks. So hopefully you can take part of what they are doing and replicate it for your own church's outreach and evangelism efforts. Let's get started. It's Saturday morning in Lincoln, Nebraska. Tucked along the side of a strip mall in the central part of the city is a studio for KZUM Radio, 89.3 FM. It's a public access station with a limited signal, but it turns out a broad reach. On Saturday morning, one of its shows is hosted by two United Methodist preachers, one a seasoned veteran and one in seminary, with a little different slant on faith and the way it can be put to use in society. Good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to Counterbalance Radio, a progressive Christian talk show. That's Reverend Richard Randolph. He's the lead pastor at Christ United Methodist Church in Lincoln. He serves as co-host with Beth Menusen, the church's associate pastor and a seminary student who oversees Connection Point, a community-oriented mission station across the street from the University of Nebraska's East Campus. We are one church in two locations with two very different personalities, but a shared commitment to acting inclusively, seeking God, serving others, and doing justice. Social justice is a key part of this church's DNA, and it's been a huge part of Randolph's ministry. He volunteered on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. for years and continually pushes for reforms related to the environment, caring for the poor, openness of the church, and other topics. Menusen was a college student at the University of Nebraska when she noticed a closed church building across the street from the East Campus. Her vision became what is now Connection Point, in what was an underserved neighborhood of Lincoln. Randolph explains how the idea for the radio show came about. Well, it just started with uh, Beth and I um, just sort of joking around, really. Uh, I was like, we ought to have our own radio show. And uh, yeah, it would be a great radio show. And uh, so we sort of talked about that, joking around one day. And 
then we saw on a line that KZUM, which is our, our station, it's a public access station here in Lincoln, they were um, asking for proposals for new radio shows. And so we said, why don't we, why don't we throw up a proposal and see what they think? Menusians share some more details about the show. So you submitted a proposal for your idea, and then if they liked the idea, they would um, accept you to this. It was like a four-week class that we had to go to to learn how to run um, the, the soundboard and and everything here in the studio and how to be how to do a good job on the air. Um, and so we went to that, um, passed our tests, <laughs> um, and uh, and then got to got to start our show. I've done some radio before, and so I know it's one thing to have a show, but quite another to consider the range of topics you want to address. They settled on counterbalance, a way to share a different view on Christianity. Menus and explains. We had kind of heard um, on other radio stations, on other you know TV stations, all of these really right-wing um, conservative perspectives, uh, Christian perspectives on any number of issues, um, you know, theological, social, political. Um, it's kind of most of what we hear as the Christian perspective, um, you know, in American media is is the very conservative perspective. And so we really thought we would like to counterbalance um, that perspective with, with our own, which is more um, more centered, a left-leaning, you know, certainly more, more progressive. Um, and so we just really wanted to get those ideas out there to, to show people that conservative Christians aren't the only Christians out there. Um, and so that's kind of what led us to, to start Counterbalance. Uh, earlier on the show, we listened to an interview with Dr. Marnie Gelbart from Harvard Medical School. Marnie is a geneticist with the Public Personal Genetics Education Project. That's right. Um, and she provided a great overview of, of what's going on in the field of genetics today and, and kind of what it means for, for the average person. Uh, we're always very interested in what our listeners They hear us taking on um, issues that people aren't uh, norm, don't normally associate with the church and with being Christians, like science, for example. Uh, our episode today was all about genetics. Um, how many Christian talk shows talk about genetics? The topics are wide-ranging, and so they can vary from week to week. Again, here's Menusen. We, um, we've talked about social issues like uh, gun control. We've talked about science and religion. So uh, sort of can you accept the Bible and science? We think you can. We did a whole series about what it means to be human. Um, so we interviewed people uh, who are experts in uh, kind of disability theology. A lot of our theologies that tell us what it means to be human um, could, can often exclude people with profound disabilities, people who, who can't talk, who can't, who we can't verify their brain activity. Um, so we talked about that, we talked about the human soul, science and the human soul, um, and then that kind of led us into uh, a conversation about, about abortion and if we can be pro-choice and be Christians. Here's Randolph again. The first prep work is to, um, you know, to, to do the research you need to do for that particular topic. So, for example, I'm reading books right now in preparation for future shows. So the first thing is, is a lot of times doing research, doing reading. Um, for the show that we just did on genetic, genetics, I just needed to really familiarize myself with what they were doing at Harvard, so I looked at their website. Um, and then uh, Beth and I talk about the show and about what we're trying to accomplish with that particular show. Like I said, I've done a little radio in the past, 
mostly as a local politics reporter slash analyst. I'm intrigued by the prep work that I know goes into getting ready for such a show. I asked Randolph what benefits he's received from his preparation. It keeps me honest in terms of my own reading um, and developing and learning about things. Um, it's just really good to have that sort of accountability. Menus and said the varied interests of the two hosts play a large role in determining their topics. She also explained how they convince guests to join them on air. We determine how, what a topic's going to be, um, sort of largely based on what we think is interesting. Um, so something in the news that's caught our attention, um, something that we've had conversations about with other people lately. Um, some a lot of times if there's like a special speaker like coming to Lincoln, coming to one of the churches here, coming to the university, um, we'll try to you know capitalize on that and uh, and try to get them for an interview while they're here in town or you know if we can't do it that week, uh, get their information and reach out to them later like hey remember you were in Lincoln we'd love to interview you, um, so that's kind of that's kind of how we do that that's how we got the interview this week with uh, someone from Harvard Medical School they she came here to Lincoln to do uh, kind of a, a symposium at Innovation Campus, and Richard uh, met her there, and um, then just reached back out to her and said, hey, they want to do an interview with us, so the greater, kind of, the audience that would go to a live event might be a little different than the one that listens to the radio, so it helps give people more reach. This wide range of topics helps draw in people who might be intimidated by the Bible or who would never set foot inside a church. I'm excited when I come in. It's fun. Uh, it's a great way to get started on Saturday morning. Uh, but also it's a way and it's really about reaching out to people and saying, you know, um, Christianity um, has, can reach out and it, it's uh, broader than you probably think and it can be a part of your life, even though you may have thought that it couldn't. On this Saturday morning, I have to say I enjoyed my hour with these two hosts. It's early, 9 a.m., but both of them are clearly enjoying this experience. Here's Randolph again. To be able to get up and uh, be on the radio, share my thoughts and ideas. Uh, the, I think probably the major thing that gets me up on Saturday mornings is just the idea that um, this is a way to reach out into our community, uh, particularly with non with unchurched persons, uh, persons who may have some um, antagonism or misunderstanding about what it means to be a Christian and to. Uh, present a progressive Christian perspective on different issues. It's an opportunity really for evangelism. That's, I think, the, 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 one, the first thing that comes to mind. These two are not quite the odd couple, but they clearly are not clones of each other either. Manusen is a 20-something seminary student, though with a lot of experience already for someone so young. She's a millennial. And Randolph, well, he's not. He's a boomer. He's a boomer who has worked all across the country, an activist who has lobbied at the highest levels of our government. But they have a great chemistry on the air. I'll let them explain. First Manusen and then Randolph. I think that's one thing that actually made us think that we could do radio is because we do naturally have a, a good chemistry together. Um, you know, we can sit and and just spitball for hours about any given topic. I think, you know, we each have perspectives that interest one another. Um, partly, I think, because we're separated by, you know, age and life experience. Um, we're generally interested in what the other has to say. Um, and so I think that kind of comes naturally, and I hope it comes across on the air. The, the program manager told me yesterday, he said, one of the things I like about your show is I really like the chemistry between you and Beth. 
and uh, I think we have great chemistry both on the air and off the air. Um, she's a 20-something, a millennial, and I'm a, I'm a baby boomer. And um, so we do come at it from different perspectives. We also come at it from a, you know, a female versus male perspective. Um, we've had different experiences in life, and I just think we complement one another and play off one another uh, pretty well. The whole purpose for this episode is to share what some churches are doing and to provide tips that might help you be able to do something similar in your church. I asked Menus how to get started. I think we got this opportunity because we were, you know, paying attention to what was going on in our community. This is a, a local radio station, so you can only, you know, get it on your radio within like a 10 mile radius really of the station so I would just say you know my advice would be you know pay attention to what's going on in your community including you know your local media outlets um, and then don't be afraid to reach out you know if you have an idea for kind of a show like ours or you know any kind of show um, don't be afraid to reach out and then you know if you have the opportunity to, to get a public forum like this um, try to bring on other people with you. So we've brought people from other United Methodist churches here in Lincoln on the air, you know, retired clergy. We've brought people from other denominations, you know, here in Lincoln on the air to kind of share their perspectives and, and the good work that they're doing, um, you know, just trying to, to get that perspective out there. You might not have a radio station willing to let you have airtime, and you may not have time to commit to such a venture anyway. But I wanted to share this story because I wanted to encourage you to think outside the box. Ask yourself, how can we reach beyond the walls of our church on a regular basis? What tools could we use to reach people not already in our pews? Maybe it's providing an ecumenical message via a weekly or daily newspaper in your community. Maybe it's a blog. Maybe it's a podcast. Or maybe, just maybe, Maybe the mode is the radio. We'll be back with more in layman's terms in a few moments. I want to take you to Omaha, Nebraska, where a church is using social media as one of its primary outreach tools. Hi, this is Holly Tepley, your disaster response coordinator for the Great Plains Conference. As you know, we have had an extremely busy year with disaster response all over our conference. Flooding, tornadoes in both states have just told and, and, and made it it's, it very taxing on our volunteers. We need more volunteers. We've had a great small group of individuals who have dedicated hours upon hours, but we need more. So we have an uh, ERT recertification class for those of you who uh, are expired with your basic ERT on October 26th at Church of the Resurrection, you can uh, renew your credentials so that you can become active in our family. Uh, go to www.greatplainsumc.org, register. Welcome back to In Layman's Terms. I'm your host, Todd Seifert. Many of us are on Facebook, Instagram, or on other social media channels. 
As a sports fan, I love Twitter. And as a former newspaper editor, I know what it's like to try to increase an audience using social media. But how does that translate to the church? The folks at the Water's Edge, a United Methodist Church in Omaha that has been around for more than a decade, but that just moved into its permanent home a couple of years ago, uses Facebook Live and other social media channels outside of Sunday morning. As a result, the people around them get to know them before they ever set foot in a sanctuary. I had it up like an angel on Instagram, so uh, <laughs> those of you on Instagram, uh, yeah, I usually don't look this good, so. That's Reverend Craig Finisted, the founding pastor of the Water's Edge. He's a laid-back guy with a really sharp mind, the kind that constantly turns at 200 miles per hour. He's helped build a thriving church based on relationships, small groups by the dozens filled with people from the Water's Edge meeting regularly. He and Michelle Bonniewell, the church's kids' ministry director and resident social media expert, have built an audience by hosting a Facebook Live every Thursday at noon that they also simulcast on Instagram. While spiritual topics may come up, you're just as likely to get a conversation about what's for lunch or whatever's happening in the background behind them. Throughout this segment, Finisted, with his distinct voice, and Bonniewell will share what they've learned. Bonniewell talks about how it all started. Um, so the idea for Facebook Live actually came from my son. He's um, currently a senior in high school, so he would have been a sophomore. We had started um, live streaming our services on Sundays via Facebook Live. And he just mentioned to me that we could use Facebook throughout the week just to get messages and stuff out. And I just thought that was a great idea because, you know, we see everyone on Sunday, but we really want to reach people beyond Sunday. We want to step into their Monday, so to speak. And with a church this size, you can't do it all face-to-face. -face. So Facebook Live just became this fun way for us to interact with people throughout the week. Um, it didn't necessarily start off, and it still isn't just about church stuff. Um, if you've ever watched it before, a lot of times we talk about food it's lunchtime, so we talk about food, but um, it just became this really relaxed kind of environment where we could communicate with people and reach people beyond Sunday. The Water's Edge doesn't like to spend money that it doesn't need to, so social media has become a key strategy for the church as a tool for outreach, particularly in West Omaha. I love the way Bonniewell puts it. It's a way to engage outside of Sunday morning. And social media is the greatest way we can engage with our audience outside of Sunday morning. It's cheap. I mean, it doesn't cost you anything unless you want to place Facebook ads. Um, and it's just a great way to engage with people. And it's also a great way for you at the church to see what's going on in other people's lives. If you watch their Thursday Facebook broadcast, either live or later on your Facebook newsfeed, you'll see that it's not polished. But that's okay. Instead, what you see is friendly banter, it's largely unscripted, with the goal of getting the people watching via Facebook and on Instagram to comment on whatever they're talking about that day. When we first started, we tried to structure it. Um, and so Craig and I would sit down on Thursday mornings and be like, this is what we want to cover. And we found that through the course of doing this, just letting it flow organically is what really works for us. Um, yeah, so it's a lot less scripted now. Um, now we usually do have kind of some talking points right. we're going to look at, but we put very little preparation actually into the show, probably, I mean, as little as five or ten minutes. If that, yeah. Um, and I think part of it is just, you know, being more comfortable with the audience. Um, you know, the audience uh, being a little bit more comfortable participating. I guess that would be one of the things, too, is at first, uh, even though we had some decent viewers out there, um, 
it was really tough to get them to you know share with us yeah and so through the course of doing this um we have people who interact and um it's been cool because we'll ask them a question they'll respond they're also feeling safe enough where they ask us questions the folks at the water's edge know what they do well and they know their limitations so i asked what are some important things they've learned in the two plus years that they've been doing these thursday broadcasts it's going to be essential for the person i think to interact with the audience uh I have watched some Facebook Live where there's been no interaction, and the person's got to be pretty darn good to pull that off. Um, there's probably a few people out there that can do it, but I don't know any of them because it's just there's so much content out on social and on the Internet right now, and um, unless you're engaging each other, unless you're engaging the, you know, the audience, um, they're going to go on to something bigger and better. Above all, this Thursday Facebook Live broadcast emphasizes personality and interaction. So Sarah Craven's on her lunch break, so if you are watching us, let us uh, know where you are, what you're doing. Now you're like physical address. We don't need to know that <laughs> detail. But uh, if you could just uh, let us know if you're at home, if you're at work, if you're out and about, uh, that'd be really cool. We'd love to know what you were up to. Bonniewell pointed out that they always come prepared with a few questions to get the conversation started innocent, non-controversial subjects that ease the anxiety levels of people who otherwise may not have stayed with such a broadcast. We do have to work pretty hard to get people engaged. Um, you know, so you'll probably notice in the beginning, they'll say, you know, tell us where you're watching from. Um, you know, talk about where's your favorite place to get macaroni and cheese. Uh, you know, we'll ask them probably three or four questions, probably one big one. And it's kind of hit or miss. I mean, some days the floodgates kind of open and they can't wait to share. And Usually if we go too deep too fast, though, we find that people kind of have a wall build up. Yeah, and it's fun with it being unscripted because people uh, pick up on things. Like if a staff member walks behind us, they're like, oh, hey, Jenny, get Jenny on camera. Jenny's not going to do it. There was one day someone commented, I was messing with my hair, and someone commented, hey, Michelle, your hair looks great. Craig could use a little work on his. Um, it's just kind of this fun environment. We've pulled the UPS man in before, the Domino's delivery guy. Um, so it's pretty spontaneous when things like that happen and people like it. Um, the banter between the two of us, you know, people seem to enjoy that. They can kind of see how we get along. Um, and then, you know, they pick up on things like, why is Craig doing all the talking today? And Michelle's like, what is Michelle doing over there on her computer? So. Um, it's usually the opposite way around. <laughs> <laughs> While the broadcast may be largely unscripted, there is purpose behind it. The Water's Edge wants to get to know the people who engage with it, and the hosts want to let the people know who they are, what they have going on in their lives, so that people who are watching can see the church staff as, well, people. Well, generally one thing we do talk about is uh, either a recap of the previous Sunday, or more likely... Um, what's coming up this Sunday. So uh, I would anticipate one of the things I'm going to talk about in a little bit is uh, I'm preaching about David. I haven't done any work on the sermon yet, but um, kind of know where I'm going with it. So probably about a three or four minute preview there. Um, you know, Michelle usually handles um, if we have like we have a macaroni and cheese drive uh, on Sunday to get macaroni and cheese for people. So that'll be something that, you know, she'll talk about. And we'll probably even banter back and forth about, that's probably a topic that we could probably cover more in depth. So 
I'd talk about Together Omaha and our partnership with them. But then we'd probably have some fun, like, you know, how do you make your macaroni and cheese? And that would be a question probably that we'll get out to the audience, I'm guessing. Yeah, and then we'll, we'll talk about stuff that we know is going on in the community. Um, like, tomorrow's Friday night, there's Friday night football. So sometimes we'll ask, you know, what football games are you going to be at? Which ones should we check out this week, too? We'll talk about... Um, you know, now that it's fall, fall activities for the kids. What's some stuff you guys do in the community? We've given out passes to Vallas, which is a big pumpkin patch here. Um, things like that that really engage people and let them know that we're interested in their lives outside of what the church. Um, and that's a way to engage with them too, because, you know, we work for the church. Our lives are here 90% of the time, but our people live outside of the church. They live in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. They want to know that we're interested in what's going on there. And so that's been cool because that's where we get a lot of the conversation going. And so when we start off with things like that, like there was one day Craig and I were eating corn dogs on set and, you know, just talking about corn dogs. And we tried it with different dipping sauces and it was just completely silly. Um, but that creates a safe environment to lead into maybe some of the tougher questions people might want to ask about the sermon or if Craig um, is asking questions to kind of um, build upon his sermon, it just creates that dynamic where they feel, okay, well, I've answered these questions. I'll just keep going with it. Why consider doing something like this? It fits in with what I shared at the top of this episode. People want to check out your church. They will go to your social media channels and your website long before stepping foot through the doors. It's much like how we shop for cars these days. People want to check you out before showing up to kick the tires and to take that test drive. One of the things that changed with churches is, I would say 10 to 12 years ago when people came here, or to the high school at the time, I would say probably about one out of every three guests like actually knew who I was. Um, they could usually tell with the headset that I was probably at least someone up front. But I cannot even remember the last time that I've met somebody that's come here that didn't know I was the pastor. You know, so they're either getting on the website, watching a sermon, reading the bio. You know, they're on social where uh, they've seen Facebook Live. Um, you know, they've, uh, you know, clicked on one of the things we share, something that takes it to one of our personal pages. So uh, that's just how social media and internet and web have really change the way that people, I mean, people, there used to be people would try the church out by um, coming to worship and saying, do I like this or do I not like this? The new front door is uh, the computer screen and the telephone. Yeah. Uh, people are going to decide really even beforehand, um, you know, do I want to give this church a try or not? I think the Water's Edge is one of the best churches I've seen so far at connecting with people via social media, but they have staff. What if you're a small church with little or no staff? What can you do? I asked Bonnie Well to share a few tips for a church just getting started or wanting to make improvements in their social media. If you are just starting out, start with Facebook and make sure um, you promote it. So if you, you just started a Facebook page for the church, put it in your bulletin. Get your church leadership to share it. Um, that's probably the key thing to do is to get people engaged and the engagement in your social media is going to start from your church leadership and your staff and move down. Um, so if I post something on the church Facebook page and Craig reposts it to his page, more people are going to see it. If I post something and I share it, 
my friends are gonna see it and it's just gonna get more people to engage and that's really how we get people to like our page and that's another thing when you when you start your pages make sure you ask them to both like and follow your page because otherwise they're not gonna see what you're you're posting I asked her about other platforms besides Facebook some of it depends on the makeup of your church um, different platforms are used by different generations um, but by and large I would say Facebook is your best place to start. If you have lots of millennials, Instagram. Um, and the thing, whether you're using Facebook or Instagram, um, whatever you post, you need to make it visually appealing. Um, that I think that's the one misstep I see on social media, whether it be from churches or other businesses. Um, we are visual people. We see things all day long. And so whatever you post, whether it be on Facebook or Instagram, make sure it's gonna be something people notice. Um, so if you look at our Facebook page, if you look at our Instagram page, um, there's lots of graphics, there's lots of photos. It's stuff that catches people's eyes. One final tip, you can't just share to the church's social media channels. You actually have to be engaged in your community. You have to be attentive, and you have to capitalize on opportunities to share in other venues. Bonnie Will explains. One thing I'm finding um, doing social media for the church is so many people contact us via social media, and that's their first glimpse at us. Um, so one of the things, you know, aside from Facebook Live that I've done is I intentionally am on a lot of like West Omaha mom sites. I'm a mom. But um, whenever somebody is asking about a church, I make sure to introduce myself, um, tell them a little bit about the church, make sure they know that I'm on staff so they know it's a staff member reaching out for them. But it has been a really cool thing to see the amount of people who just appreciate that. Um, the fact that somebody reached out to them via social media because they had a question and to see those same people come into the church and say, you know, if someone from the church who works there was welcoming me via social media, took the time to answer something I put on an open message board, then I can see them welcoming me personally when I get there. And so social media, I mean, it has morphed, you know, over the years, but social media is by far the best tool churches can use to reach people beyond Sunday and let people know who they are and what they're about. If you want to see how the folks at the Water's Edge do this, I invite you to go to their Facebook page, like, and follow them. Search for The Water's Edge, or type in their handle, at the Omaha. That's the at symbol, W-E, Omaha. When we return to in layman's terms, we'll visit one more church, this time United Methodist Church of the Resurrection, to see what we can learn about how they do their website, digital marketing, and how they do things on social media. Matthew 28 tells us to make disciples of Jesus Christ, but how can you do that? You can help by providing some inspiration each morning to someone else. Just go to www.greatplainsumc.org dailydevotions. Once there, you'll find a QR code and a link to a sign-up page. Pick your day and your topic. If you need some assistance, there's even a link to the Vanderbilt University Daily Lectionary. Follow the instructions for submitting your devotion and you've done your part to help inspire and encourage others in their Christian walk. Again, that's www.greatplainsumc.org slash daily devotions. Help make more disciples today.
Welcome back to In Layman's Terms. I'm your host, Todd Seifert. We'll conclude this episode by talking with two people key to the digital strategy for the United Methodist Church of the Resurrection, the largest church in our denomination. It's one church that worships on five campuses throughout the Kansas City area. The folks I talked with are based on the main campus in Leewood, Kansas. Now, it's easy to discount resurrection strategies because, well, literally, no church is that size and scale. But this is the church that founded a resources website at www.sharechurch.com. It's made especially for smaller churches to benefit from the resources that resurrection develops. It's part of this church's mission. So give these folks a listen and see if you can find one or two things that you can use to help your church. We'll start with Randy Green. He's the church's digital media specialist. Basically, he handles anything related to their emails, digital newsletters, and apps. Essentially everything but the social media. I asked him to start with their strategy for their website, particularly the homepage. We often talk about our website as being the front door for folks. Um, the front door even before they get to the actual front door of our church because most people are going to check us out online before they actually come here in person. And so one of the most critical things that I think we want people to see on our website is for them to see faces. A lot of churches that I've worked with or helped or seen in the past, they feature very prominently their church building. And the idea there is that they think when people come to the website, they'll see the church building and they'll recognize it with something that they've seen in the community or that when they come to visit, they'll see the church um, building and they'll feel like they saw it on the website. And so there's like connection there. Uh, and I don't think that that's necessarily a wrong idea. I think that, that those are both important things that we can do. But even before we get to that, we need to make sure that the person is connecting with the church on an identity level. We need them to be able to see that they belong in this church, to see that they're welcome in this church. And so before making that connection with the physical space, we want them to make that connection with the kind of ideological, the, identi the identity space, um, to know that, that this is a place where they're welcome. And so being able to see faces and see the people of the church, to me, is probably the most critical thing that we want uh, a new user to the website to experience or to to see. So that's the first thing. Um, and then you also start getting into some very logistical things. So they need to be able to find out where your church is. Uh, so your address. They need to find out what your church worship service times are or when you have different programming, things like that. So if they're going to come, they are quickly able to identify when and where and those kinds of things. It seems basic, but that key information is something I see often left off of home pages. Think of yourself as a consumer. What info do you want quickly and easily? The same goes with people considering visiting your church. Here's Green with more about Resurrection's website homepage strategy. So we are a church for non-nominally religious people. Like if, if we're looking at our website especially, the real focus there is for people who have never set foot in our church before. Um, you know, we know that a lot of our church members and our regular attenders use our website to find information, but our first audience is to make it really easy for people who have never set foot in our church to connect with our church. And one of the outlets that we see for that is uh, a lot of these special events that we do. So if we have a big speaker coming in or we have uh, you know, Christmas Eve services are one of the huge things where everybody comes to Christmas Eve services. And so... So those are things that will feature very prominently on the homepage that as soon as you get there, you'll see that there's this big event coming and we'll get you right to the details that you need in order to, uh, 
to know what that event is and know how to get there and know um, just how to prepare for it and whatnot. Uh, so there are a number of ways that we can do that. Um, sometimes if it's something huge, we'll do kind of like a homepage takeover where we rework major portions of the homepage. Um, if it's not as quite of a huge event, uh, then we will just kind of have a little feature section down below that talks about it or, or gives you a link to more information or whatever. Um, but yeah, since we're looking at people who are not a part of our, our congregation already, then we do want to make sure that it's very accessible to find information and to, to drive people towards where those events are happening and, and what to expect. I would say that one of the best practice things that any church can do uh, is to, the kind of two parts here. So first, to look at it regularly from the perspective of somebody who's never been to the site before. Uh, so with most websites, what we find is that it kind of gradually becomes a place where you're posting information for the people who are regular attenders of your church. Uh, when you first launch the website, a lot of times we're thinking, okay, first impressions and um, you know target audience and things like that. Um, but it tends to gradually just kind of turn into we're posting the regular updates and things, starting to use insider language and things like that. And so on like a monthly or maybe every other month or something basis, I find that it's really helpful to just kind of step back and take a look at it from the eyes of somebody who's never been to our church before. Um, so that's you know me kind of getting to that cognitive space uh, and looking at it, just just going through the website real quick and saying, okay, where am I using words that don't mean anything to somebody who's never been to our church? Um, where am I, uh, yeah, organizing things that don't make sense or, or whatever. Um, so the second half of that is that it's, it's one thing for me to kind of step back every month or every other month and take a look at it from that perspective, but probably once a year or so, it's a good idea to actually like show my website to somebody who has never been to our church before. You know, that might be a neighbor or something like that, and just ask them what their impression is and what they see and what doesn't make sense to them or something like that, just to get an actual perspective. The things that you hear from those kind of conversations are always eye-opening. It's like, oh, I didn't even think about that. Um, even when I was trying to put on this kind of persona of somebody who's never been to a church, that never occurred to me. And so you see kind of in fresh ways the things that you need to do to make your website more functional for people who've never been to your church before. One outreach strategy that often is overlooked is email. A recent study I found by Adobe shows that many people, including millennials, prefer to receive info from nonprofit organizations such as churches via email. It turns out it's an easy way to save that information and to reference it later. We send, um, I'm trying to think of what our numbers were in 2018, somewhere in the millions of emails, um, which if you ask me is far too many emails, I'm trying to cut down on that number of emails because we as a church tend to fall into the, into the realm of overwhelming people with email, um, sending too many. Um, but we have a few that we send that we found to be really effective. One of those is our senior pastor's e-note which we send every Friday, it's usually late morning or early afternoon, somewhere between 11 and two or so. Um, and that, we use that as a way to have a very personal connection with our senior pastor. And so it's written by our senior pastor. Uh, the tone is very personal. It's a conversation from our senior pastor with the people in the congregation. And it shares just about what's going on in his life, what's going on in the life of the church, what's going on in the, the denomination, and all those kinds of things. 
There's usually a portion of that email where he's talking about what he's going to talk about on Sunday morning because one of the reasons we send it on Friday is to communicate or to remind people that church is happening on Sunday. Um, so as they're getting ready to plan their weekend, you know, it's, that's why we hit kind of that midday Friday. As they're starting to think about the weekend, we want to make sure that that worship, whether that's Saturday night or Sunday, sometime during the day, is a part of that weekend plan. So this is just a little kind of subliminal reminder that church is happening, and we hope that they're there. Uh, and so we do use it a little bit for that. Um, but a lot of it is just kind of build, trying to build a relationship between the pastor and the individual congregant, especially with a church our size. It's easy for the individual congregant to not feel like a sense of connection to the church, or especially to the senior pastor, because um, you know the senior pastor can't have an individual relationship with, with 20,000 people, 20, right? people. Yeah, and so uh, this is one little way that we're able to uh, kind of facilitate that feeling of a relationship. Uh, for email marketing, I would say the biggest thing is uh, consistency and uh, kind of a conversational tone. I mentioned earlier we were talking about our the pastor's email that we send every Friday. And one of the things that makes that really, really effective is that it's conversational. It's a, it's a relationship that our senior pastor is building with our congregation. And, and it's sent every Friday at approximately the same time. So people get into the space where they know that it's coming and they know the types of content that's going to be in there and things like that. And so um, it, you know, it feels just like their weekly touch base with Adam. And uh, so that has been a really powerful thing for us in making people feel connected into our church. Consistency, consistency, consistency. As you've heard from others in this episode, consistency is essential. It's even true for the denomination's largest church with one of the, well, perhaps the most famous theologians of our day, Reverend Adam Hamilton. So what about Resurrection's philosophy on social media? I talked next with Donna Carlin, the church's social media manager for the Leewood campus. She takes the lead and coordinates with others at the church's other campuses in downtown Kansas City, Missouri, Blue Springs, Missouri, and in Olathe and Overland Park, Kansas. Well, we tr certainly try to post once per day on Facebook and then anywhere from three to five times per week on Instagram. Those are our two main platforms that we use, Facebook because obviously it's Facebook, <laughs> and then Instagram a lot because we're trying to reach young adults and young families, so we, we're focusing on that as well. When I, and when I talk about posting, I'm also including Instagram stories, which we do quite a few of, partly because it can be less produced, it can be more on the fly, that kind of thing, and still, you know, get the get the word out there. And a lot of people are looking only at stories anyway, so it's a it's a good way to to focus on your church and also reach people. One of Resurrection's philosophies is to focus on inspiration and community building, and less on promotion. The goal is not so much to draw people to the event, though that is certainly a side benefit. But rather, the goal is to provide a sense of community and to provide a glimpse of what the experience is going to be like at Resurrection. Carlin explains further. It's all pretty much through a cell phone, <laughs> um, making it, you know, authentic and, and not so produced. Just trying to get in where the people are and, 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 like you said, giving them a taste of what the experience would be like to actually be here. And then also providing value beyond being here um, in terms of 
and we're getting into content now, <laughs> but in terms of providing inspiration or celebrating something, I try to do um, the 80-20 thing where you do 80% um, of inspiration, celebration, community, education, and then only 20% promotion. Now we have so much going on here that that 20% gets crossed over quite a bit, but even when I'm promoting something, we're trying to, we're trying to provide value through that such as if we were promoting a Wednesday class, we might go ahead and give some of the things that we're talking about that for, from the speaker or, or yeah, from the speaker and kind of tease it out there, if you will, so that if, if that's all anybody saw, if they didn't come to the actual class, they still might get something out of it. Carlin said the mission is first and foremost on the minds of her and others at the Church of the Resurrection, and that keeps them grounded as they go about their work. Well, even with... Um, like the sermon clips that I that we post on Thursdays, we're trying to we're trying to answer the question of who will this help and and what need is out there that we might be able to help answer. What value can we provide people? Um, and then also asking ourselves, would you share this with someone? You know, if if it's not something that you would share, then it's probably not something that anyone would share. Um, so yeah, we're just really trying to to reach people with a message that Jesus is for everyone and it doesn't matter whether you come into our doors or not. We want you to come into our doors, but you don't have to. I asked Carlin how she fosters engagement among so many people who can't possibly be connected to each other, at least not on a regular basis. Asking questions, like um, maybe ask, how are you applying the weekend's message? Maybe pull a certain point from the message and say, how are you applying this this, this week? Because, you know, Facebook loves comments and it loves comments on comments. So, um, and that's one area I do want to touch on is, is advocates, is trying to um, get your employees, get your volunteers, get, you know, your, your committed people to engage with your posts. Um, you could even set up a Facebook group if they're on Facebook or where you're, you know, constantly kind of <laughs> pushing them to, to comment and having them comment on other people's comments and share things. Um, I'm really working on, on kind of developing an employee advocacy group here since we have so many and so many of them are on Facebook to try to try to get that across that before we start paying for paid advertising on social then let's let's get it out there organically by by liking and commenting and sharing and that kind of thing another platform is instagram it's a platform that even the church of the resurrection is trying to grasp better we are blessed to have a very talented um, video production crew and as well as graphic designers so i'm lucky there but they're also very busy and don't always have time to create social content. So I, I actually do subscribe to um, a couple of services that, that create graphics and, and that kind of thing. And one of them, even you can download it and personalize it yourself. Um, I, I would like to get to the point where we are posting at least once a day on Instagram. We're not there yet, but that is my goal. In Layman's Terms is a podcast sponsored by the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church and by me, your host, Todd Seifert. If you liked what you heard in this episode, please share it on social media, and then please go rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. It helps other people find us. Thank you to Reverend Richard Randolph and Beth Menusen, Christ United Methodist Church and Connection Point in Lincoln, Nebraska, as well as KZUM Radio. 
Thanks also goes to Reverend Craig Finisted and Michelle Bonniewell of the Water's Edge in Omaha, as well as to Randy Green, Donna Carlin, and Kathy Bean at United Methodist Church of the Resurrection. Our music comes via subscription to First Com Music. You can find archived podcasts on my website, toddseifert.com, or the conference's website at greatplainsumc.org. Feel free to email me with any questions or suggestions to tseifert at greatplainsumc.org, and I'll do my best to respond as quickly as possible. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, please do what you can to help make more disciples of Jesus Christ. You can play a part in helping change a life.